Okay. Two. One, two, three. Sick. Oh, right. I forgot I was starting. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, okay. All right. Well, would you... <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, welcome in. Thanks for tuning in for the second show. Uh, we really appreciate you coming back. We know that we didn't really have an intro for the first one, and the introduction for Travis was way delayed. So what we are doing is retroacting and making an intro into each of the ones that we've already recorded so that you guys have a little bit of a rundown and knowledge and background base of who you're listening to and why. Um, so if you don't know who we are, yeah, I'm, I'm Patrick Knight. Sanders. I currently live in mm-hmm. I currently live in Colorado, and Mike lives in Texas. Um, we've both been in bands. Mike's going to talk about what bands he's been in for a little bit, and I'm going to talk about mine. But the most prevalent one that I was in was called Wolves Among Men probably about a decade ago. Uh, we did some small-time regional uh, touring across the country, which I guess isn't regional, so that sounds stupid. But we didn't do it for long. Uh, but I ran shows and promoted things in Texas and East Texas specifically for a few years and then haven't really done much with music, but always like since then, but always wanted to and loved it. Um, and so basically what we're doing is interviewing our friends and people that we know that have been in music or still are music and telling them, letting them tell their stories. Um, this may be people that you've heard of before. It may be some people that you haven't. Um, the idea is to hopefully get a lot of people from a bunch of different areas in the country so that everyone has a chance to hear about their scene and see about hear about other scenes and maybe there's some people that you learn about along the way that you want to check out their bands or just you know it's a cool thing to know who they are um but for the most part we're just here telling the stories of those who don't get to tell them um like it says in most of our bios we're not interviewing people that are rock stars or huge, but definitely people that are the heart and soul of their music community and people that are cherished, I feel. And uh, on the episode that you're going to be listening to today, we have a very, very talented musician. His name is Marcos Mena. He's in a band called Standards. Um, they're one of my they're one of my favorite bands, obviously, honestly. So it's like really cool to have him on. And he just tells a lot of really interesting, hilarious stories. And he's just like a great dude. And you guys should definitely check out Standards. Um, and yeah, so here is our very great podcast with Marcos Mena. All right, welcome back to the show. You guys are getting paid. Today uh, we have a very special guest, from Marcos from Standards. Um, he's a cool dude from what I understand, but Mike really knows him better, so I'm going to let him introduce you guys to him, and we'll start with that. So, Standards is a band I've been following for a while now. Um, my old band actually got an opportunity to play with them at this little coffee shop in uh, Houston, I think it was. And it was just a great experience. And, like, from the little bit that I did get to talk to Marcos and the little bit that I've interacted with him on the internet, he just seems like a genuinely good dude. So, I wanted to have him on. And nice, where dude. In, where in Houston was it? What coffee shop? Oh. Yeah, what coffee shop was it? Because I actually don't remember myself. Like, I remember the last time I played in Houston. It was like, uh, what's the name of that coffee shop? It was. The, it had an inside stage and an outside stage. Oh, Bohemios. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it got yep. moved from the White Swan initially. Right. Yep. I remember now. It was Bohemios, and it was like a mini festival, which was funny because it was just supposed to be like a small show, and then. Uh, the promoter was like, yeah, I just booked, like, a ton of bands. And I was like, 
cool. I get to see a ton of bands. So that was kind of cool. Such a cool yeah. experience. Was it was a cool dope? experience. Everybody Dude, was dope. Everybody was dope. It was just like cool show start to finish. And What's like, the name? I want to know. I'm, I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm missing out over here. But there what was, was this, this like. There was this sick band called Chonkla Fight Club. I remember them. They were amazing. They had a really spacey, cool sound. Uh, I Islands of Pear or Isles of Pear? I can't Isles remember. Of if Pear, it's Isles, yeah. Isles of Pear. Yeah, it's Isles of Pear. But I really liked their uh, EP. It came out like uh, 2017 or 18 or something. I thought it was yeah. so cool. Yeah. That was a, It was just such a great show in general. And like the girl who was the promoter just did a really good job putting everything together. And like when we initially hit her up, uh, we were like, hey, can we play this show with standards? Because uh, the dude who was playing guitar in my band is like a big guitar nerd. He's like level six guitar nerd. And um, he was like, and what's the level go to? Uh, so <laughs> it only kind of it really only goes to 12 and then it starts over. So he's a half chap. Got it. Yeah. But he was like, hey, listen to this band standards do the Cantina song from Star Wars. Sounds and good. that's and that's how that rabbit hole started. <laughs> and then he was like, "They're playing in Houston, and I kind of want to email the promoter." And I was like, "Do it, like definitely do it." And then she was like, "Well, I can't like pay you guys or anything, so I'd feel bad like booking you." And we were just like, "No, we're gonna go play some play with standards. It'll be cool." And then we drove out there, and then she did end up paying us anyway, so that was super nice because I definitely came out there expecting to just like chill and then go home that's nice it was a great experience all in all it is really very dope. cool yeah that was a, that was a whole fun tour i miss touring so it's a lot of fun yeah i bet what was the last tour you were on the last tour i did was with a band called floral and we actually played houston again and we played at Ooh, I can't remember. It's like a big venue and there's like three stages and we played like the middle stage. But we were supposed to play the smallest stage and that would have been about right. I think it was like 80 cap. So I think that would have been about enough. But they moved it to the middle one because there was like a leak or something and uh, it, it was a little embarrassing. So it was like 500 capacity. Oh. We're not bringing 500 people in Houston. So it, it was a little, uh, little empty, but I still had a good time. Um basically we did a whole texas tour and then the last show i played was in san francisco which is like a couple hours north of me and i'm in la uh and then that was it and then like three days later it's like the apocalypse and i was just like whoa oh. that's yeah that's crazy like everything just happened super fast and i was like one moment i'm hanging out with people in san francisco played a sick show and then i'm at home and then they're like you should probably start canceling your tours and i was just like what and then now it's like i think everybody knows like touring's not going to come back for a while so this is kind of just the vibe yeah i mean man that's so sad i what is a while when you say that well here you guys want to hear my yeah theory? i would love to hear your take on what you feel with everything that's okay basically what i'm asking Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I didn't really know, uh, but a pretty pretty early on, I deduced that, like, this is not going to go away overnight. Like, people thought this was... There were tours that were being rebooked to the summer, and they are just like, oh, yeah, man, by the right. summer, you know, it's going to 
it's gonna clear right up you know and yeah. even our president was like yeah it's gonna disappear just like a miracle you're gonna see like i i don't know about that one like um you know just like reading what viral just has to say about it and just doctors in general it's like i think it's common common knowledge at this point but it takes a while to make a vaccine like i didn't realize like because they make a flu vaccine every year right right so i figured oh it'll take a year and they're like no it takes like five years to make Ooh. a vaccine like sometimes it can take up to 10 years to make a vaccine god um, if i can't tour for 10 years i'm gonna cry every single day of that 10 years yeah no no so here's what here's what i read um i read that basically they already had started making a vaccine for something similar um and they, they took did. that off the shelf yeah and uh because of capitalism uh they stopped making the vaccine because it went away so they had no reason to make it because they were not there's no money involved dude hell but, yeah america yeah well i think it was in i think it was in the middle east because there's something called mers um which is similar and then there's sars which is also similar it's like a, right. a viral like a thing for the lungs um so from what i understand in my limited understanding of vaccines is that they're basically taking the genetic sequence of coronavirus and plugging it into this vaccine template sort of that they have it's not specifically for any one thing but um like it's kind of how it, for vaccines and viruses yeah you you can look it up i i don't remember exactly what it was but it basically is like you can put anything in there and they'll make a vaccine for it um but it's gonna be like i think at least another 18 months and then you know you get to politics like how the political landscape is like we're politicizing the virus so it's like even if there is a vaccine most like i feel like half the people won't even take it so you're gonna have you know if you have a show like you could be liable for somebody's death so that becomes a whole thing like you're gonna have to get people to sign waivers at the door like i don't um blame the promoters or whatever right. for like you know and then there's also the the problem with like you know <laughs> paying artists um i think like uh live nation was the first big company to just like slash everybody's guarantees and usually when you go to a venue and you're a more established artist um you are you already get paid like as soon as you go in the door it's like a guarantee but um now i don't think that's going to be such a big thing because i mean venues are closing uh promoters are probably going to be less hesitant to throw shows or more hesitant to throw, throw yeah. shows because you know it's like oh this is like a huge risk like i could lose you know because for a band like us, it's like it's a couple hundred bucks. But if you want a band like, you know, a bigger bands like like the Fall of Troy or Chon or like some band like up there, it's a couple thousand bucks in a guarantee. So it's like if if people don't come and people not into it or you know something goes wrong, that's like that's on the promoter and that that's gonna suck, you know? Yeah. So I'm saying in this country, probably like two to four years until you'll see shows um again and then probably I, I think it might be even more possible to do shows overseas first because i think like if they did have a vaccine probably everybody would take it i don't think there'd be that many people that would hesitate it's right. not like a there's not a lot of vaccine uh not as much i guess like anti-vaccine rhetoric overseas as there is here um yeah. what do you think about like I, I don't know if you keep up with hawthorne heights ever but i do because i like i like to cry okay but uh they are doing this like tour benefit thing right now it's like everybody pays like eight bucks or something and like four dollars goes to hawthorne heights and like their whole production and then the other four dollars like you put in like your local music venue 
and they like add it up and they send it to that local music venue and it's like an all digital like tour so it's like a live stream basically that you're paying to have access to but they're calling it like the stay at home tour i see yeah that's kind of cool it kind of reminds me of um of twitch like i i didn't like i knew twitch was big for gaming but i've kind of just been like man i should just like start playing shows on twitch because that's basically the same principle right because like you're just donating money right yeah and i guess it would be i guess it'd be different because you'd have to pay a ticket to enter the live stream in their instance yeah right but I think that you can set it on Twitch where it's, like, only people that, like, subscribe can do the, like, live stream or something. Or you could even take it, like, a step further and set up, like, a host site where it's, like, hey, you could do something like Patreon or something where it's, like, hey, if you pay $5 for this Patreon subscription, you can get access to this concert I'm doing on this date. Yeah, it's I, it's tricky. I, I think that's a cool concept. I, I, uh, I also heard about Under Oath. I'm not a huge fan fan or anything not that i dislike it or i've just never really heard it but i heard that they're doing like it's like a month monthly pass where basically every every other week or something they play a different album in its entirety yeah um which i thought was really cool like that's like a very cool thing but i mean it's just really bad it's really bad because the industry has taken hits you know like streaming is just not as profitable as buying albums and buying albums isn't really a thing anymore and i mean i don't hate on streaming because if there wasn't streaming then we wouldn't be making any money at all from selling music because people don't really buy music as much as they used to um so at at least there's that but it's like you take a hit there you know you take a hit like every other way that you can make money except for playing shows that's the one place where bands usually they don't have to pay anybody else for it like they don't have to pay a label um they don't have to pay like it's just like a really easy way for bands to make money and that's why bands you know do it so much it's like play a show and then you you you, that's how most bands make a majority of the money it's just like a huge hit it's like really bad i know that like um i was talking with ryan kirby from pipper a king one time and he was telling me about um like because they were they were starting to get big in the era where it was still super cool to buy cds and then they kind of were in that transitional period where everything kind of turned to the spotify years and uh he was telling me that bands like uh i don't want to like out this band and like tell you guys what i was told about certain financials with them but basically they had signed this huge deal and took out all these loans from their label and were expecting to make it back on album sales and then that was like bad bad idea that was like the year that everybody was just like oh i can pay five dollars and listen to any album yeah and then they ended up jumping on all these bunk tours to try to pay it back yeah that's you know it's messy man like um i think i've realized now more than ever how important it is to be independent mm-hmm. like uh it's 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 funny we're, we're talking it's like this podcast is called you guys are getting paid we're talking about getting paid it's kind of yeah. cool i don't know if that's intentional but it's more um, sarcasm because like sometimes bands don't get paid at all yeah. sometimes sometimes I, man yeah, right. that's kind of <laughs> it's a nice way of saying like it's funky yeah it's i mean it's funky i'm I'm happy to be a one-man operation now because everything just goes straight into my pocket 
um, which would have been really cool had touring been a thing. Now it's like um, things are a little, you know, fishy. But I'm I'm still lucky. You know, I have uh, like Top Shelf Records is putting out. They put out my last release, which is called Fruit Island. Um, yeah. And we sold out of our first pressing of vinyl, so I was like, sweet. And they've been really good about you know promoting it and. Um, we like we ha- we set up a really good deal that's in my favor, but it's like, it's it's hard because sometimes like a couple decimal places or you know a couple ticks on that percentage like will really make or break the whole thing. Um, but I mean for a band it's tough because it's like some bands it's like five people and it's like you're splitting that five ways like there's just no way sometimes that it's gonna it's really gonna work, and that's kind right. of the depressing that's kind of the depressing part <laughs> like. I teach lessons now a lot. Um, I didn't used to teach them as much before, and now it's kind of all I do because, you know, staying at home. But people are kind of like, oh, man, how you know, what can I do uh, to make a living off music? Like, I want to quit my day job. And I'm just like, man, it's, it's like, really man, tough. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say – I don't want to be that guy because, like, I mean, that's just what – that's just kind of what the industry breeds is like jaded people that you know just got screwed over and i've been screwed over i've been i've been screwed over a lot but it's i I don't want to be that guy because if i'm that guy then who's going to be the person that's like you know somewhat optimistic because it's it's not all doom and gloom but it is also you have to be really smart and you have to constantly just be like thinking about it and that's the thing is like that's uh, that's that's what makes it a job is like thinking about the money side of it because if you if you kind of just do whatever you want it can be tough um i think i i live with uh, my friend shelfie now he's also kind of like a bedroom guitarist and he he's been posting on tiktok a lot and doing really well um and he's like yeah i really like posting on tiktok and all these other places but if i could just like release a record and then just not do anything i'd probably just do that like i probably you know <laughs> like it is yeah. uh it is ideal for people to do that but that's just not the reality unfortunately yeah no joke yeah you're mm-hmm. not you're not inaccurate um i was gonna ask you something that from what you just said but i completely forgot what it was so hopefully i remember it um, damn it but i do have another question that'll be fun um, okay we'll get off the doom and gloom for a little bit because it's hard to you know this year's so shitty um uh it's hard to highlight good things (laughs) um so we're gonna do something fun um pull up your whatever music application that you use or whatever you do and read us off your top five last played or your recently played not top five but like your recently last played or like what have you been listening to or what have you been loving lately stuff like that oh that's a good one um i haven't listened to much music today but yesterday I was listening to Big Fish Theory by Vince Staples, like an album. And uh, that album is pretty wild. Um, I had a friend that was really into Vince Staples, if you guys aren't familiar with Vince Staples. He's like, uh, he's a rapper from L.A. He's from here. Yeah, Vince Staples is tight. Yeah. Um, actually, I started showing Shalfi, the guy I live with, I was showing him the song North North because um, we live in north north kind of like north side long beach and i was like there's a song about where we live and it's called north north and uh, they shout out my high school and it's really funny like it's just uh it's like an anthem kind of um amazing yeah so i was listening to that um but i was listening to other his other albums north north's not on it uh but it's really cool big fish theory uh kind of underrated dude um yeah super yeah he's on odd uh, future yeah i Wait. don't know 
<laughs> Wait, maybe I missed a different it, name. Are you talking about Vince Staples or someone else? I'm talking Vince about Vince Staples. Staples. Yeah, Vince Staples is super underrated. Yeah. Super. Yeah, he's from he's from Long Beach, which is where we are, which is where I'm from too. So that's kind of cool. Um, and then oh, he I was a close was... associate of Odd Future, is what it was. Yeah, yeah, and uh, he has Kendrick on there too, which is really cool. I thought that was that was pretty sick. Um, so listen to that, and then I was listening to a band called Sports. Uh, they're like a short-lived emo band that pops up on my Spotify every once in a while. So I was just revisiting their album Demon Days. Oh, uh, pretty cool. Pretty I cool actually stuff. do love Sports. <laughs> yeah, just I don't know. It's just one. I don't know who they are, what they do, or anything. I just you know found their album on Spotify. Seems like they broke up. So yeah, um, yeah, kind of cool. Um. I was listening to a band called I Love Your Lifestyle at the recommendation of my friend Robbie. They're like a uh, kind of like an Argonon style uh, emo band. And uh, yeah, they're from Sweden. Oh, kind of weird. Yeah. So I was listening to them and uh, pretty uh, also pretty underrated. And that's how I found the, the sports stuff because they're like recommended. It's kind of cool. Uh, um, what was the name of that band? One more time. Uh, I Love Your Lifestyle. Mike, what have you been listening to? What is your last recently played? Oh, let me pull up this here. Spotify. It's been wild this week. Because I've been uh, I've been playing... I got, a, a, like, a notification about my time capsule. So it's, like, all these songs that I used to listen to that I don't anymore. So recently played is, like, uh, Sister Hazel. Because I used to be really... <laughs> I used to be, like, really into, like, 90s rock. I love Sister Hazel, bro. Uh, Golgo Bordello, and he does like gypsy punk music. Uh, Tiger Army, Brian Setzer, and then uh, Good Guy Levi, which is uh, actually one of my really good friends. And uh, he just put out a sick new album called Matcha. You guys should check it out. Shout out. Nice. <laughs> Transition. It's a lot into of stuff I don't. A lot of stuff I don't really know, but I gotta yeah. check that out. Same. I was like, I don't know a bunch of these. Mine's there's a bunch strange. of there's so much good music. It's crazy. Yeah. If I had there's... to choose two to recommend to you guys, it would be Tiger Army and Good Guy Levi. I think I've heard I've heard of Tiger Army, and I've listened to them a bit. They're like uh, psychobilly kind of. Kind of. They're like a. They're kind of like psychobilly. They do like a lot of like. They do like a lot more like fifties like swing music, but like mixed with pop punk. Crazy. It gets yeah, wild. wild. Crazy. All right, so I just got mine pulled up. So I guess the tie, the last five. I've been listening to Tickets to My Downfall, the Machine Gun Kelly pop punk album that Travis Barker produced. Oh man, I'm not gonna lie, I fucking love it. You like it? Yeah, I think it's good. Um, I can see I also why people. Think it's good. I can see why people like definitely don't like it, and like if you put Tom DeLonge singing in there instead of Machine Gun Kelly, I'd probably like love it way more. But um, I think it's fun. Um, it's funny how like I didn't listen to that fool whatsoever, and then he like dissed Eminem, and I was like, dude, that's so whack. And now I'm like, Machine Gun Kelly's so sick. Like within like a year, it made me listen to like all of his shit, and I was like, wow, you're he's really good, bro. Like, what the yeah, he fuck? Kinda... He kind of did a 180. Like I don't remember him making this kind of music at all. And then no, like now he's doing it. Hotel Diablo, like that thing is so. It's got like, Lincoln Park type songs on it. Like it's so strange. It's so. It's I've never. 
I've never listened to Machine Gun Kelly. I did listen to the album though. I got like a couple tracks in. I was like, I get it, I get it, but I don't get it. You know? My roommate's yeah. a big Machine Gun Kelly guy, and I listened to the album because he's like, it's really good. And I was like, you know what this album is? It's a, it's an Eminem album. And he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, just listen to how he's explaining things, how he's talking about stuff, and how he's going about producing the music. It's an Eminem album. <laughs> and he listened to it more, and he's like, holy shit. It really is. It's an Eminem album. And I was like, that's why it's so good. And I was like, as long as he keeps like making good music like this, he's going to get way huge and doing things that people even love or hate way and not be in the middle of the road. Like he's, but the thing is, is he's making music that people have a stance on. They're not middle of the road. And like, that's, that was like, I feel like his problem before where people are like, yeah, I know him. He's okay. And now people are like, I love him or I hate him. So he's like always talked about, um, I really liked him in Bird Box. I liked him in the Motley Crue movie. Oh, The Dirt? So him and good. Pete Davidson? Wait, did he act in, in those ones? Yeah, he's he a... Was a Tommy he's Lee. A, yeah, he's been doing a ton of acting stuff. Wait, he's Tommy Lee in... In, in The, the dirt. dirt, yeah, on Netflix. Dude. For real? Yeah, the yeah, movie it, is fucking insane and super over the top ridiculous but i've seen got, the movie i just uh -oh. didn't think that was him yeah yeah what the fuck yeah that's how i see i didn't know until after and like the credits rolled and i was like what and then like i did a lot of research and i was like wow and then i watched it again and was like okay i see it now but like yeah i didn't okay. i didn't see it at all at the time yeah isn't it weird didn't that pete davidson was in that movie too Who's he, he is yeah, Pete Davidson's in it. Uh, he is. Oh, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, oh God, I can't think of his name. This is you are. Oh God. The biggest bummer right now. I'm trying. I'm trying. Give me. Let me. Let me put my brain. I'm just gonna look it up. That yeah. movie is. That movie was something else. Okay. I'm just looking at. I'm on IMDb. Well, uh, Tom right. Tom Zuto uh, Electric. Yeah, he uh, was like a manager of some kind. Yeah, oh yeah, I remember. He was a record he, executive. Yeah, I, I, he, I forgot he was. Yeah, he was such a... Oh, fuck Pete Davidson, he's such a little weasel. I love uh, Pete Davidson. What, what, what did he do? He's just a motherfucker. What? Um, no, what did he do, Patrick's though? team Ariana. That's oh. not even the case. I'm, that's not even true. I told you oh. why I don't like him. He said, thank you, next. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We'll just leave it at that. Um, Are you really I, team Ariana? No, the rumor that Pete Davidson sent Mac Miller photos of him and Ariana together, and then like that's like shortly after is whenever he committed suicide or overdosed or whatever you want to call it, is like, oh, well, I wouldn't put it past him, and that's a shitty thing to do. And also, I just, uh, he just looks like a fucking weasel, and I don't like his comedy. I very oh, oh my on god, Pete Davidson. oh my um, god, I just thought he was you know kind of funny. Yeah, I I, just, <laughs> I have such strong feelings towards Pete Davidson. Um, so did you like half hate that one track in the middle of that Machine Gun Kelly record where it was Pete Davidson and Machine Gun Kelly on the phone talking like they're aliens? I don't know what you're talking about. Anything that says Pete Davidson, I just cancel it. Um, Machine Gun Kelly says Pete Davidson all the time. Well, they're the, they're like they're like besties. Good for them. Um. So I'm going to go to the last couple of things here. The other things I've been listening to, uh, Light Story, my buddy Riley's band. It's pretty good. Uh, he's got some new stuff coming out. And then... Marcos, I think you would love Light Story. Probably. Based on the music Who? that you play. Who's that? 
Light uh, story? Yeah. Mm. More. Uh, there's so much good music, man. I just I can't keep yeah. up. I'm going to send you a link to it. Um, and then I was listening to Jewel. That was strange, but that was fun. And then have you guys heard that song Tommy Lee by Tyler Yahweh with Post Malone? Yeah. No. Oh, it's so good. Um, and then the last thing I've been listening to is this playlist that we made last year for Halloween. And it's got like every good Halloween song on it. And it's got like a bunch of classic rock and like Rob Zombie and new metal and just like creepy fall sounding songs and just like sweater weather songs. It's a bunch of fun. So nothing like super crazy. Also, I can't stop listening to Juice World still. <clears throat> oh, yeah. R.I.P. Juice. R.I.P. Juice. Throw it up. Um, so now we can rock on down to Suggestion Avenue for a second. Do you have any Do you have any bands that you want to, like, recommend to people? Like, bands that you, would like, don't think people know that you just would want to shout out and be like, Hey, listen to this guy because he is cool and I like him. Ooh, that's always hard because I... I feel like super weird like all my stuff is all super weird but my friends got me into the band apart recently i don't know if you guys know that band no go on uh they're like a japanese and i think this is why i didn't find them before is that they're not very accessible like um they showed me like two of their albums from 2008 and 2012 and um they're band from japan they've been making music for like 25 years something Oh wow! And um, they're really good, but it's like a Japanese only. Like they're not on Spotify really. Like the the only thing that's on Spotify are like two albums. But the best albums that they've produced are not. You know, you have to buy them on iTunes, which is I just is weird for me. Like you can't even find the albums on um on YouTube. Oh wow! Um, but they're really good, and I'm just like, damn! If they were on Spotify, they would be so popular. I wonder why they didn't do that. Um. But my friends are going to give me, like, their discography so I can listen to it. Because um, all I can do is listen to, like, music videos and stuff. But um, it's a couple singles I was listening to. I was just like, man, this is so ridiculous. This is so ridiculously good. So I was, I've just been jamming that pretty much um, for the most part. Uh, and everything else is kind of just peripheral. Like, I've just been getting into a ton of different stuff. A lot of my friends have been putting out new music, um, ah. which is pretty cool. Uh, my friend Shalfie, who I live with, just put out a new EP, and I mixed it, and I, I think it's pretty good, but what do I know? Um, listen to Dirty... Pro I'm going through my phone again, but listen to Dirty Projectors Wait, uh, again. Wait, go on to that. Is that out? Is that to a place where people can listen to it, or is there a release date? Shalfie, Shalfie's EP? Yeah. Yeah, it's already out. It's uh, it's called Morio, and uh, yeah, I, I finished that a while ago. So um, Morio, like M-O-R-I-O-H. H, yeah, M, yeah, M O R I O H. You can find it on Spotify. Not too hard to find. Awesome. But not not too many other artists named Shelfie. I don't think so. Oh yeah, that's probably. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was also revisiting Dirty Projectors, um, one of my favorite indie rock weird bands, and they came out with a new record called Earth Crisis, and so I was listening to that, and it oh, is man. very very good. I thought that they were like. I wouldn't say done, but they kind of took a hiatus, and uh, I could talk about them for a while, but I'm not gonna not gonna bore you guys. But oh no, you definitely um, wouldn't. You can definitely talk for a minute. You've got the floor, sir. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you guys care about Dirty Projectors or if you know who they are, but they're like a very fascinating band, in my opinion. Um, I don't know who you, they are, but I definitely want to know. Okay. Yeah. They're like um, 
so i mean i like a little bit about kind of my background to it is that uh dirty projectors is they're more of like an experimental indie band okay and so uh it kind of it kind of leans into really hard like a lot of the stuff that i was uh getting into when i was you know i still go to i'm finishing up uh bachelor's in guitar performance at cal arts but it's a very experimental school like a lot of really weird shit happens there and dirty projectors definitely leans into some of that um but it's really tasteful and there's just it's just a lot of experimentation um a lot of i've learned just a lot just by listening to them so you know like songs with hocketing um a lot of like you know weird rhythmic stuff um polyrhythms different uh you know influence from different cultures of music it's really cool uh i'm a huge fan of their two albums that it kind of came up back to back and there were the two that were they were like really revered by a lot of indie press right um like uh i think i can't remember what album but it got a huge like crazy score on pitchfork i think it was bit orca is b-i-t-t-e orca and um that album was like it just went over super well but it's like a masterpiece and the album after that swing low magellan is probably my favorite album by them um it just kind of combines pop with all of these really weird out of the box ideas and um it's pretty much like masterminded by david longstreth and he was kind of like an indie kind of reminiscent of like uh um uh what's the, what's the talking heads dude uh, i can't uh, remember his name oh, um, but it's yeah. super super reminiscent of them and uh kind of mix that with a lot of like world music you know so um, would you say it kind of leans into the vein of like experimental indie like parenthetical girls i've never heard of them oh, but they, they that sounds are. like a that sounds like a good title i mean it's i i'm I, thinking too i'm not i'm not super into the genre anymore um just because it's like uh i'm kind of lazy and it kind of hurts my head sometimes like just trying to process all these like things so I, i'm down with it but it's, it's hard for me to seek out sometimes i just feel like unmotivated too but they were like very formative to what i ended up doing um but uh yeah basically they came out with these two insane records and it was this it was like a troop almost of like musicians where um they pretty much did everything together and um he was dating one of the there was two female vocalists and then um like drummer bassist and then him and so it was kind of like a troop of, of musicians and they they kind of burned out because i think they were just doing like way too much too fast and so after after like 2013 they kind of stopped being a band and um they, they had like a comeback record in 2017 but it was really weird it was just david and it was like these pop songs with like he worked with with Kanye West on a song called Four or Five Seconds, and it, it had Paul McCartney in it too. And uh, can't oh, remember who else. They get yeah. wild. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, you know, I think he went more in that direction for a second, which is weird to be honest. And then they kind of went back to like, oh, we're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna be, you know, what we were before. And so I was listening to the new record, and it was very much like old meets new. Um, but they're 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 just crazy 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 stuff. If you want to go down that rabbit hole, I owe a lot to David Longstreth and that band. Man, that sounds like some exactly something I would want to listen to. There's another um, cool experiment. I'm just thumbing through their discography right now. There's there's one release of theirs called Rise Above and. Um, I don't know if you know that record by Black Flag. 
mm-hmm. but he, um, the concept of the record is that David Longstreth performs the record from what he could remember from the from the rec from listening to it, <laughs> but he doesn't. He doesn't. He, that's that's it. So it's like not really a cover album. It's like what he can piece together. So he's just trying to remember what it is. So it doesn't really sound like Black Flag, but um, that's a very that's kind of what put them on the map more or less. And then the two albums after that are fucked up. They also did a collaboration with Bjork called Mount Wittenberg Orca, which I'm seeing here, and that is really crazy too. So a lot of stuff for you guys to check out. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank I'm you. Just, for- I'm just like, taking down notes, like, on like in a message thing on here, and yeah, sending them so I can save them. You're gonna message me later and just be like, "What the fuck? <laughs> what the, like, what the what the hell? Like, you're gonna message me later, just like, what is this? This is fucking crazy. I hope that it blows my mind. It's amazing. Um, so we're gonna move on down to a couple other things. I I have a couple of questions I want to run by you. And then you're going to be like, no, I don't want to answer any questions, actually. Sorry. Uh, Okay. Um, (laughs) Since we're talking about um, shit that you like and um, things of that nature, sorry. What was, like, the first band group or, like, like, maybe it was just a singular artist that you saw that made you want to, like, do music? Like, um, I probably don't have to, like, go into more to this, but I was just talking to one of my buddies and, you know, EVH just died. And he was just like, yeah, I'm, like, really taking it in now. And, like, that was, like, the first person... That made me like music and i was like wow that's that makes sense and like i'm sorry for your loss but like do you have like a person or artist like that for you yeah i think i think one of my earliest memories of like really wanting to play guitar which is kind of like my primary instruments i guess like why i play music but um uh, it's probably Jimi hendrix just because like i was listening to um that song voodoo child i remember i used to have like a subscription to guitar world magazine Yes. And I was like Guitar so World. about yeah I was so about that magazine like every time I'd come I would read it like really quickly all the way through and then I'd read it again trying to read you know like I would just skim like skim through it just go as fast as I can second time read it again like try to read all the articles and then the third time I'd like practice the stuff in there and so I'd read it, like 10 times and then I get bored of it and so I collected like so many of them but they'd always talk about Hendrix and I was just like who is this guy like who's Jimi Hendrix you know and that's a fair question for like an 11 year old dance because Jimi Hendrix he didn't have like a storied career he he was I was nowhere close to being alive at the same time that he was and I was actually just talking to Shelfie about him because Shelfie also kind of didn't know a whole lot about Jimi Hendrix and um he was really shocked to hear that Jimi Hendrix only had three albums in his life like the dude really didn't do that much but he's done so much yeah the impact that those three albums like he didn't have a lot of content but the content he put out were like straight bangers every fucking song like yeah and it's like he made the most of like the like three and a half hours we had plus like the live stuff and just like his shows like i 100 percent am like right with you there well he's just he's just a really influential <clears throat> artist for the time like he was just really ahead of his time and yeah um you know he's he's really out there dude but i remember like listening to that song voodoo child um I think I just I think at the time I was using LimeWire, so I just typed in Jimi oh. Hendrix, and so I was just getting random Viruses. songs. Like I, it, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> but it was just like, it wasn't like I was listening to the whole albums. I was just listening to whatever songs would pop up because that's what was available. So yeah. that was the first song I heard, 
and I was like, whoa, this guy's like a magician. Like, this sounds like, it sounded like not like guitar. It sounded like he was conjuring like an evil force or something. And I was like, this is, this is really cool. Like, it sounded like beyond guitar. And I was like, I got to do something like that. Like, I got to like play guitar like that, you know? And um, I think, I think like I had ups and downs with it. Like, I was not always committed to being a musician, but like, I'd always revisit those albums and like that song specifically. And I would just be like, okay, yeah, you know, that's, I still feel the same way now, like 12 years later or whatever, like listening to it. It's, it's, it's nuts. Hell just, yeah. It was just so weird. Like, because I'm like, it's like, you think about it and it's like, like you said, he only had three albums ever, but like literally I could go to any, any person, my dad's age and be like, Hey, do you like Jimi Hendrix? And they would all just be like, oh, like, fuck yeah, dude. That's that's the fucking thing from my childhood. Right? They're just like, what do you mean do I like him? And that was also back when it was cool to have, like, five and six and seven minute songs. And, like, it wasn't, like, super trendy to have, like, a 15 minute EP. Like, right. he, like... Was also things changed you know like it, you know you go and buy an lp at a record store yeah and uh yeah i mean you'd have to you'd have to go do that and um now it's like people don't even have time to listen to like three minute song so it's like you know times change you gotta adapt like right the, yeah. the, the, the music's a reflection of its culture and i mean the culture at the time was like getting together listening to music like dude woodstock was like non-stop festival just like in a fucking field yeah and there was no there's no food there's no water there was not there's nothing but it was like it's legendary because people didn't care they just wanted to listen to music right it so, was just a shit show realistically <laughs> yeah i mean now you couldn't do that um i mean i don't think people even want to do that like people people now at music festivals they want like the you know coachella is like the bougie experience they want to see you know kanye west uh, with like you know yeah. you know and it's like water bottles like six bucks and it's like you know you know what i mean it's like it's a different it's a different age know what you mean well i'm i'm not i'm not complaining i'm just saying you can't even compare no yeah. you know yeah you can't even compare but it is cool like i think it is cooler when an artist makes a huge profound statement from an album versus like i'm dropping songs you know i do think yeah. it's cooler but i think the album as we know it is not is not it's not really a thing anymore no. Yeah, it's just because, and I think a lot of that again kind of attributes back to like Spotify and stuff like that because it was like, oh, I can listen to this band and immediately listen to this band and immediately listen to this band and just do things on a whim instead of like buying a pack of blank CDs and going to my buddy's house to use LimeWire to make like mixtapes or whatever. Like, you just go and like do it. And then people are just like, oh, well, why would I want to listen to six minutes of this song when I could listen to it for a second and, like, get the reminiscence I want out of it and then jump on to this new Bowling for Soup record? Well, right. I think that comes with, like, the attention span of people is a lot shorter now than it used to be, too. Like, you think about the 12-minute-long music videos people used to have. You can't even get them to sit through a one-minute-long TikTok, so, like... Oh. That's how I. That's how I used to like. That's how I feel now about watching like the Jesus and Sub or Jesus of Suburbia music video from Green Day. I'm just like, man. I hate you. Please don't say what you're about to say. 
No, it's just that it's so long. I love oh, I love Green Day. I love it. American Idiot. It's not long I, enough. It's just I I think that if they were gonna do that, they should have made it into like some kind of like rock opera movie thing. You yeah, know? They did they did make it into a theater thing though, right? They, did American they? Idiot. Oh, like American a whole Idiot. American Idiot thing. Yeah, I think it's yeah. a Broadway musical, if I'm not mistaken. What? <laughs> Was, no, yeah. Yeah, okay. Wait, are you guys... Wait, you, wait. Has, does nobody know about this? I don't, and he it's doesn't. weird because I love Green Day. Apparently not. Oh, that's... Yeah, yeah, definitely a poser. I saw it, I think. <laughs> I said yeah, definitely a poser. <laughs> <laughs> it was... Yeah, it was... It's a. It's a theater thing, you know? Yep, the whole album was super theatric and dramatic. Very cool time. Like, uh, hearing that is like, in 2005, you're just like, what the fuck? Or whatever, 2004. And you're just like, man. What? I don't know, for me it was, at least. I, it's just every every song, I was just like, you can do that? Oh, wow. They have a full -length it came out in 2013. Yeah, dude. I was way too busy in 2013 being a horrible human being to know about it. Oh well, RIP. <laughs> right. Um, well, so cool. Um, now that we've stared off course a little bit, I do have, I have some gonna keep going with my questions here. What was the first band that you were ever kicked out of? First band I was kicked out of. <laughs> mm. I know. I were you ever kicked back. out of a band? I think that should be the first question. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I was. I, I Did you kicked do the out. Kicking? Kicked out. Kick, kicking out is very violent. That's a very violent term. What, what was the first um, band that told you that it, um, your services were no longer needed? Hmm. It was like I was in a Steel Dragon tribute band, and they fucking said that they didn't want me anymore, and it was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I. I really can't remember. I don't think I've ever been kicked out of a band. Like most of the time I was the one in Doing charge. So I wasn't kicking I wasn't kicking anyone out and, uh, or it was like a it was like a mutual thing. It wasn't like I really wanted to be in the band and I got kicked out. So I don't I really don't th I can't remember. But there's only been a few instances where I've just mutually parted ways with like a band or an artist mm -hmm. and it was like it was a two it was a two-way street. It wasn't like I I lost my chance and I was upset about it and I don't think that ever happened. Well, Interesting. I have a backup question just in case because we've had that answer before. You'd be surprised how many people haven't been kicked out of bands, but coming from two dudes that have been kicked out of bands, it's very surprising. Yeah. Um, what, what was your first band you were ever in? My first band? Oh, man. I'm going to I'm gonna try we to get through this without... Name and everything. I know it's just I have to get through it without vomiting is the problem. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for you to say. <laughs> so I was I was like 13 um and I had started like I had tried to start a band but it never worked because nobody was like could play their instrument. Oh. And it was tough. Um but it was called Public Execution. <laughs> uh <laughs> We were like a metal band played in like drop B because of Slipknot and um yeah it was it was bad it was not good um we did a performance on New Year's Eve at my friend's house and a couple of my friends came and that was the show man like 
we did a show and that was it and then i had to move on but i never really played shows after that because i was that one experience i like hyped it up in my head and i was like super fucking nervous about it and then it was just like fine like it was just a bunch of people in my backyard in the backyard you know um (laughs) so it was fine it was just like a very average experience but i just like really wanted to play music and i really wanted to play with bands but it was really hard because like finding people to do it it was so difficult it was so freaking difficult wait didn't you grow up in california yeah but i grew up in long beach which is like it's kind of its own thing like it is in la but yeah it's like uh that makes more sense not a huge music scene here um not a lot of venues for underage kids it's kind of like a place where families kind of get started it's not really a place where you got some young people who are looking you know it's like a bunch of kids um and it's not that there weren't bands but you know it's just it was there was not a whole lot going on and pretty much everyone i've talked to who's either come from here or like you know understands is like yeah like you know so anyway we can relate to that like soundly yeah. to be perfectly honest because like i um i don't know i'm gonna ask because i don't know but what year did you graduate high school 2015 okay so we uh like where we come from in east texas there were literally zero um venues uh as best you could really say it i mean there was at least not all ages like you're talking about too like we didn't have those and everybody we found were was like in high school like for me like i was running a lot of shows and like we had to find either like abandoned warehouses or i like actually went and sat down one day with like over like a span of like a week or so like every day sat down with like youth pastors and was just like hey this is what we want to do in your like youth building we'll give you money to be able to rent it out we want to be able to have like shows so like definitely like understand like we were a little more lucky because we like, had the library yeah everybody wanted to play music but like there was nowhere to play music like yeah a lot of the christian bands like really paved the way because they like went to church <laughs> they went to church and um they like knew these people and so they were like doing shows there so that's like how i saw it and then it was just like you gotta find shit on your own bro you gotta like find a venue so like i definitely can relate to like not having a venue and just being like fuck like what do we do here yeah i mean we i guess the difference is like we did like backyard shows and those were kind of lit like i was in some other bands and we we did some shows and they were lit like they went off you know yeah but um fuck yeah it was it was tough man and i think gideon in a backyard once (laughs) that's crazy i'll tell you the backyard shows are sweet no i want to hear your story but i'll tell you that one in a sec (laughs) um no just like you know it 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 can be really tough um and i'm I'm glad i'm glad i'm the age that i am because i feel like i people my age it's kind of like finally what i was really looking for is just like pro people like i've had so many great experiences in the last five years just since I got out of high school, but everything before that is really dismal. And I, I, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I was like amazing and everybody wasn't, um, cause I wasn't, but it was even just a question of like showing up at all to do band practice or like learning songs. It was really hard. Um, I think my, my only band that from that era that was like kind of fun was like an indie band I had in high school. And we we did some stuff that was like kind of fun, but then I left for college, so it kind of ruined everything. So, 
you know, it's all it's there. all a learning experience. So what you know? was the what was the gap like between indie band and leaving for college and standards? So uh, left for college in 2015. Um, tried to start new bands. I went to San Francisco State for about a year, and uh, I had a really bad time there. Like huge waste of money, huge disappointment for myself because I just thought that I would be playing in bands studying for school i kind of did neither um so i was kind of just wasting money wasting time i just played a lot of guitar but it was just like you know you could do that at home for free so i had to convince my mom like look there's no point in me being here like i gotta go home so i came home was 19 um and went to a semester of community college um at that time i had gotten an audition to play in a in a band they were managed by the manager of my chem from oh. like from like the black parade era that's pretty great so he was like their manager until they broke up and then i think he's still involved with them now because they're doing stuff again but um they gave me this audition and i was like oh this is perfect this is like you know because they're like up front they're like okay look we're looking to tour i'd never been on a tour like i was like this is you know this they're looking to tour um you know we have uh label support this is gonna be like your job like we're gonna be doing this all year you know you're gonna have to drop out of school whenever these tours start and i was like yeah for sure like you know i can do school online like as soon as it starts like i'll drop out and um you know they're like you have to we have to rehearse three times a week you know you have to learn all these songs um it was it was a lot and i was going to community college and then i went to community college in orange county and that's kind of far from la um so i would finish class and then jump in my car go straight to la to rehearse with them and then come home so i I was gone all day just you know fucking crazy crazy days and um yeah like rehearsing with this band it was it was a lot but that's kind of the thing in la is that like i guess maybe it's different than other cities it's a very like entertainment showbiz heavy city so um everybody says a lot of things that aren't necessarily true mm-hmm. or they, they, they want it to be true, but it doesn't necessarily happen just because the competition is so like fierce. What do you uh, mean by that exactly? Like I've been in a lot of situations or I've talked to a lot of other people where it's like, Oh yeah, I'm managing so-and-so person and they're going to be huge next year. They're going to be a huge pop star. Yeah, and it. Okay. it does. It doesn't really doesn't really pan out that way. And so similarly, the band that I was in kept saying, "Yeah, we're gonna uh-huh. be going on tour soon. We're gonna be going on tour soon. Yeah, we're gonna be. You know, we're booking the tour. It's gonna happen. You know, we're gonna put out the record. It's gonna be huge. Like Hello, broken promise. We're gonna. Um, a lot of things they were saying weren't adding up. Like they were. They said that they were gonna like put out the record and it was gonna be this huge explosion and. You know, on the, it was going to have massive radio play and that people would like tons of people would show up and um, things started getting weird. Like uh, we did these like the manager, by the way, I can't remember his name is like Brian. So you could look it up. It's like Brian something. But um, he was like pushing us really hard. Like we rented this space in Burbank. It was like a huge production space where like, you know, really big artists rehearse their tours because they have like a lighting rig lighting package um and you know sound and everything so they'll basically set up a fake show and then run it you know because they might have dancers they might have you know 
So they rented a space there. I even remember going to the, the receptionist and I was trying to find like the room that it was. It's, it's not like a rehearsal studio where it's like a room, actually. It's like uh, basically every uh, thing you can rent is just a warehouse. So there's like all these rooms of a warehouse, essentially. It's in Burbank. Um, and uh, I was trying and to find the room. No, no, it's not a venue. It's got it's it. not a venue at just all. It's space. just like, got it. but it, they have like top tier talent. And so like, I remember going to the, <laughs> I remember going to the reception and I was, try I mistook the room and they were like, oh, are you with Tegan and Sarah? I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I like, sure they, you know, they have like A-list, B-list talent there. Like, you know, that's where like Kendrick would go and rehearse his show. They would, they would rent the big room and then they, they would be able to set it up in there. That would be enough space, you know, so that they can do arena tours. Like that's, that's the kind of shit. I'm just trying to give you guys the, like the gist of it yeah, <laughs> it's really that, weird that makes so much more sense now that you say it like that like they're like production sized rooms like for yeah like production based tours yeah exactly so that i mean that the idea was to go there and we were gonna do um a set for the manager and then if he if he deemed it like worthy he was gonna start you know reaching out for his contacts and um we didn't have a huge setup it was you know we had like a backing track system and that's the thing is like i was playing with backing tracks so you know click in your ear and it's a very crazy experience like very just oh my gosh um wild stuff and we do the set for the manager and he's like you guys aren't good enough you need to practice more so we're practicing oh. like three three times a week and um, he's like, we're going to book you guys these, like, underground shows, you know. We're going to just have you guys come and play these, like, tiny little places. And it'll be, like, these rehearsal things. And I'm I'm like, like at this point, I should have known this is really not going to pan out the way it's supposed to. But being 19, I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Because they need to, you know, screen us for the big, just, <laughs> like, I don't know, whatever. We play these shows. and. Right. Um, they would constantly like blame other th reasons for why like we would play a show and mm -hmm. nobody cared about it because the music wasn't very good but you know i didn't really like mainstream music a lot back then so i just figured oh well it's probably good to other people because i don't like it so <laughs> like i was listening to like all this like artsy stuff so i was like oh of course like you know Do you but like people any of these songs Oh yeah, I mean actually they're out. Um, you can the band did eventually. I'm gonna get there. Um, okay, yeah. The band eventually yeah. did. They eventually did do. Um, so um, yeah, so we would play like a show, and then like they would they would just come up with a reason why the show wasn't good enough. So like played a show, my string broke, and we only had like a 15 minute set. So I was like, fuck it, I just won't use it or whatever. Um, and I transposed everything and it was fine. And then they were like, Marcos, why didn't you change your string? And I was like, uh, I don't know. Cause you know, 15 minutes set, it would have taken me like two minutes. Everyone would have just kind of been staring at me. You guys don't really do ad libs. Like, what did you, what did, I mean? I, I, I did it without it. They were like, no, Marcos this is super unprofessional. You can't do that. Like, I'm just like, well, I don't know like what I should have done, you know? Um, and they were like super mad at me about that. Um, we played another show and like nobody like people just like walked out basically and they're like marcos you need to start moving your legs when you play like it's all in the feet like if you're not moving your feet like people aren't gonna have energy that's why people aren't liking the music and i'm like no like i wasn't saying that to them but i was just like man i don't think i, pe I think people just don't like the music like i think you guys just made a bad album you know what i mean <laughs> um so like yeah it was really awkward and then you know i was going to orange coast community college and I was kind of just thinking, like, 
I don't know if I want to keep going to community college. I, I might want to do something else with my life. Like, like I want to just try to go and have like a really good educational experience that I would really appreciate. Cause I was thinking like Spanish or whatever. It was just like the music teacher there was cool, but it was like not um, all encapsulating, you know, encapsulating music experience. So, um, uh, I found this school with my mom It's called Cal arts where, where I'm graduating from now, but I auditioned there and I uh, got in. And so I was like, you know, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Cal arts. Like, uh, they're like, but what about the tour? And I'm like, well, you know, like if the tour comes up, I can always leave, you know, but in my head, I was just like, there's no tour. Like this is not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, um, so the time that I, that I basically realized like, this is sorry. Is this is this going on too long, or is this good? No, this is is great. That, oh, please keep going. <laughs> okay, because I'm I'm about to hit the climax of the yeah, story. I'm... You guys are about to. You guys are about to. This is about the shit's about to go down. Um, also, I should probably I should probably give you guys the uh, the characters in the story because it, it kind of adds to the. I kind of skipped past that part, but I met everybody on audition. The drummer's got his name was Dano, which I thought was weird. Um, but I guess it was like a nickname that just stuck, and he was like around my age. I was like 19 at the time and he was 18 um he was a really good drummer and he moved from like north carolina so he was just trying to be in a ton of bands you know what i mean mm-hmm. um i thought he was really cool um the singer's name was sarah and she was like a 30 something um who she's a pretty good singer um and the guy who was doing most of the writing and and all the production stuff his name was jaws like j-o-z um I feel like I'm gonna get. I feel like I'm gonna get in trouble for this, but you know, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna roll with it. Good news. I'm, I'm name. I'm naming them by name. So. Well, good. You can do a couple of things, and we can cut this part out. Um, you can either name them by name. We're gonna listen to it again after we edit it, and if you think it's too much, we can cut it out. Or you can do fake names, and then it's way better. Okay, let me do I fake know, these names. These all kind of sound like fake names anyway. He's okay, like, you know, <laughs> and Silent Bob and motherfucking Eliza. We're gonna be like, what? no, you know what? No, you know what? I I think honestly, the chances like even if I post this on my social media, I don't think that they're gonna find it, and I don't think they're gonna get to this point. And even if they do, all the stuff I'm saying is true, like it's factually correct. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not being a mean guy here. This is just actually what happened. So. He's like, don't um, call me Regina George, you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, so uh, so Jaws, his real name was Jose, but I think it's like another nickname sort of situation. And then the bassist um, was named Utaka. What? And he was from, he's from, his name was Utaka. Can you spell and that? And he was, W, <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> I can spell it. It's not W, it's Y-U-T-A-K-A. He's from, he's Japanese. Like, actually Japanese. Wow. Um, yeah, he was actually Japanese, and he moved to L.A., and he was in, like, a ton of bands. Um, and that's actually how I got the audition, was because he saw me play somewhere with another band, and he was like, maybe you could audition, basically. Um, so that's the crew. Um, we're all really different ages and different ethnicities. Like, I don't think any one of us were the same ethnicity or age. So it was really quite a, quite a mixed bag. Is a really weird <laughs> group, <laughs> but um, yeah, doing all these shows, doing all this stuff. Um, I guess there's so much I could say about this time in my life, but I'm just gonna go straight to the climax. Um, so uh, the band is like, all right, guys. Uh, Brian said that we're ready to do touring. We're, we're ready for the big time, so we're gonna need a really sick photo shoot. 
and I was like, all right, I guess we're we're doing that. And he's like, all right, we're going to go to the Salton Sea, which is right near Coachella, Joshua Tree. It's like in the desert of California. Mm-hmm. So it's about two and a half hours from where I was at the time. So they're like, all right, just drive, just drive to... Um, just drive to the place where we practice and then we'll we'll all get in a car or I'll get in a van and we'll drive to an Airbnb and then we're going to shoot there for like two or three days. Right. So I was like, oh, man, this is like really serious. Maybe I should reconsider, you know, my doubts here. Maybe they've really got some something really, really good here. You know, some some, you know, something so juicy. yeah, like maybe this is going to be a really good career opportunity for me because, you know, it's like that's kind of how it works in L.A. is like you play in one band and you get kind of big and then you can you know use that as a jumping off point if you want or you can negotiate a salary um Uh you know there's a lot of stuff you can do from that point but i I had not been getting paid at all so it was a little yeah i mean i was 19 so i didn't really need a lot of money but i also was kind of broke and i was kind of like you know trying to not yeah where i was every day yeah with that or when i eventually moved i moved to um right near cal arts and that was also a drive that was like i was living in the mountains just north of la so i kind of did the opposite like i instead of being south i was north but anyway um we get to the airbnb and they're like yeah we're just gonna hang out here and um uh you know we're gonna hang out and then we're gonna freaking you know like do these photos or whatever so the next day brian comes down and they hired um like a photographer assistant and then a makeup person and they're like we're gonna be shooting all day so you know let's just do it so um we get ready to shoot they'd also like taken us to like a really bougie place called the grove in la and we bought like a couple hundred dollars worth of clothes each Wow. so it was yeah it was really weird like I, they had all this clothing for me and they were like you have to wear this clothing we made this look for you and so I had all the clothing and they they were like picking out my outfits and like telling me what to wear and um we start doing the shoot and it's kind of a weird vibe like I don't really feel that comfortable um anyways with doing photo shoots I feel really weird cuz I feel like I'm a weird looking person sometimes especially back then I was really like skinny um and uh yeah it's just kind of weird being like in photos with these like 30 somethings and you're like 19 and they're i don't know they look, look like like real... the dude from almost famous like hanging out with Stillwater, and they're just like i, I felt like the I, kid i felt like mick i felt like mclovin kind of like <laughs> <laughs> i was like i just i just felt like mclovin like, hanging cool? out yeah that's that's kind of how i felt you know like i was listening to really experimental music and um you know, I was kind of going to art school and, you know, studying a lot of, like, weird stuff. And then these guys are talking about, like, I don't I don't even know, like, 20, uh, someone banned uh, 21 pilots or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, they're just talking. I don't know. No, I, I can remember the name of the band. I think whatever. Anyway. Um, uh, also, the manager is there and he's watching us. We're, we're in the desert. So we're, t- we're doing these shots in the desert. And um, oh. he's got like he he brought like guns oh, that sounds not for great. some reason. He brought like two loaded guns and he was just like playing with them. Like he wasn't shooting them, but he was just he just had them there, and it made me really uncomfortable. And uh, he was like pointing them. It was, it was really weird. <laughs> it's really fucking weird. That but, is so uh, sketchy. It was it was Brian. If you're listening to this, you know no hard feelings. But you made me. He probably doesn't care. He doesn't give a shit. But um, yeah, it was it was really bizarre. 
Um, so that things things take a turn. You know, we did some we did some shoots around the Airbnb, and then they're like, "All right, we're gonna go, um, we're gonna go to the Salton Sea because we were in Joshua Tree. So the salt to the Joshua Tree to the Salton Sea, miles wise, is not that long. But the road there's no infrastructure to go straight there the quickest way. You have to take a long way around. Um, it's about a two hour drive. So we drove for about two hours to the Salton Sea, and um, if you guys don't know anything about it, you can look it up right now, but it is a dead sea. There is no life. Um, the entire beach was littered with fish corpses and bones and shit. Um, it's Sushi. like a sea completely- for you- free? What the shit? <laughs> no, it was like it. They, the birds already ate it, man. The birds already ate the flesh. And then the like, birds die from salt poisoning. No, <laughs> probably no. Probably no. It's a it's a very um it's a very polluted area, and it's like a ghost town because it used to be. Look up pictures of it. It's creepy as fuck. But they they were like, yeah, that's the that's the shit. We're gonna make that our backdrop. So what's the name um, of the town? Salton Sea. S A L T O N C. Salton Sea. Gotcha. And you'll see, you'll see what I'm talking about if you Google image it. But oh, this is horrifying you right oh no yeah and there's just like a twilight zone-esque picture that's like right in the middle of this google image search and it's just like a door and a mailbox and then all the desert behind it yes that's exactly what was going on so we were in this abandoned town yeah very weird so in one van is the band it's us and um uh, I'm 19, so I'm I'm acting like a 19 year old, and I um I think Jaws was almost 40, so these these guys did not want to hear me talk, but I'm just like a hyperactive 19 year old at this point, and um these uh, these adults are just like really frustrated with me. It was a really funny drive, like I was just so fucking bored driving to the Salton Sea, and then they're just like you know it was that was the kind of the context, and in another another van is Brian and the crew, so the the makeup and um, the, uh, the photographer and then her assistant. So we start driving and Brian's like calls them and he's like, Hey guys, follow me. I, I know a good place that we can put the vans. Cause there's no parking lot. It's just deserted. And he's like, I know where we can do it. So just follow me. So he starts driving onto the beach of the Salton sea and I'm, we're following him and then his car gets stuck. And then we're like, shit, like, let's go, you know, like, like drive off so that we don't get stuck too. And then we get stuck as well. So, um, this poses quite a problem because we cannot move. We're two vans stuck in the sand. So Brian's like, so you know what, song, dude? Island in the sun, it's vans in the sand. Yeah. I don't know what that song's about, but this was very depressing. This is a very upsetting situation. Um, so anyway, Brian's like, you know what? I'll handle it. You guys go do the shoot. Sunlight's fading. Like we're going to make it happen. So we start doing the shoot. Um, and uh we start doing the shoot and it's uh it's kind of weird like you know same sort of deal um they're trying to make the best of it but you know we kind of fucked up all the sunlight so it's just kind of not really going well and brian has decided like he's gonna take wood and put it under like the tires of the van and then just try to like pop it loose and he's just like trying for like I don't know how long and it's just kind of not working um so like three or four hours go by we do the shoot um and it's pitch black we have no vans we have like you know we have some gas i guess so we're kind of just chilling in the van 
Um, but Brian, after three or four hours, decides it's time. Now it's time to call a tow truck. Not when we got the van stuck in the sand, but now after he's tried for three or four hours, now we can call a tow truck. Um, because of our location, the tow truck will not arrive for an hour. Uh, and I have not eaten dinner. So me and Dano are regular teenagers. You know, we eat normally. The other people, I think they ate like one meal. Some adults can just do that. But um, I had like really low blood sugar issues. So I was like kind of panicking. Like I was like, there's no food. Like we're in the middle of fucking nowhere. And these were, were just like stuck in the middle of nowhere. We had like a bag of pretzels. And like that was like Dano and I were just sharing the bag of pretzels. Um, so anyway, then uh, after an hour, the tow truck shows up. And he's like, all right, I'm going to try to pull you guys out. And he can't also pull us out. Like, he's having, like, a lot of trouble. And so I think he has... I don't remember. I think he had to leave and come back with, like, better equipment or something. So we've been there for, like, five or six hours at this point. He finally gets us out. And he's like... Then we have a two-hour drive back to the Airbnb. And he's like, yeah, this is not is not going well. And then the the the, tr- the tow truck guy gets our van out, and he's like, "All of you guys just get in that van and go. I'll stay here with the last van, and I'll take it out, and I'll just wait for the tow truck guy to get it out or whatever." So we go, and we're all packed into the first van, and I'm just like, "Hey, um, don't want to be a bother, but uh, I'm quite hungry, and if we could stop and get some food, that'd be great because there's no food at the Airbnb." And they kind of looked, like, upset at me that I was asking for food. But they kind of agreed to go to a Panera Bread. Yeah. Um, so at, at this, I don't I don't remember what time it was. I think it must have been, like, 10 or 11. So I don't even remember if they were open. Or some, so it was whoever was open. I think it was a Panera Bread. But um, me and Dano go, and the other people decide they're not eating, which is really bizarre. And uh, we eat, and we're just kind of like what what are we doing with our lives like we're 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 in the middle of nowhere we have no money we're like all we're doing is trying to make this band happen and it's just like not happening like we've we've just been like stuck on the beach all day like what is this project like what are (laughs) we doing um so yeah then we like eventually went home and i was like really tired and we went to bed and we go back home and uh yeah basically the last straw for that whole thing was they were like right after that they were like yeah you know we're gonna have a show and brian's gonna invite all these industry people and um it's gonna be you know it's gonna be you know the the start of the the band basically you know it's what we've been working for for the last like eight months and um it was pretty much like surprise surprise not that um we played at like a coffee house and they didn't have like the infrastructure to even have like you couldn't even hear any of the band because there's no like pa so we were just like playing basically like an instrumental set so the next day dano and i quit the band and uh they continued on without us but pretty much after i quit i realized I think I should, yeah, I should find, like, other projects to play in that are, like, more my speed and not really worry about them getting popular. Because saying, you know, you're going to get popular, you're going to get popular, um, I don't think it's conducive to success. Like, I think it's important to be yourself, to work on, you know, pushing yourself, like, to write music that you really like and that you think is not is cool and innovative. Um, but for you, not for, like, you know, we're going to be the next big thing, you know. 
Wow. That's... I gotta say, I think that's my favorite story I've ever heard, ever. <laughs> I I left out a lot of details, but that was, that was like, I think your original question was, what did you do between, between high school and high standards? School standards, yeah. And that's not, that's not, that's not even all of it. <laughs> that's, oh, that's like, man. that's, well, that's like half of it. I mean, I hope the, one day you write a memoir and just detail it. Yeah, no, I mean. No, fuck um, that. Just come back on for separate, several episodes here. Yeah. Yeah. We if you, do like I'm, a four part series. I'll, I, I'll say, man, like music industry is not always the most fair, but it is the most adventurous. You do experience a lot, um, trying to do it. And especially in LA, it's like a lot of stuff um but you know just kind of like quickly filling in the gaps in your in your question um i played in a played with a bunch of singer songwriters between that point which was like early 2017 to late 2017 which was when i started standard so it was about six months of gigging around and playing with lots of different people some of who were you know more local and some of who were really trying to do kind of the same thing it was like trying to blow up trying to you know a lot of networking a lot of like um a lot of these like fancy events there's like a lot of secret shows and fancy things that happen in la you know what i mean um so it was a lot of that and then i kind of got sick of it because it was just kind of like everybody wants to be the next big thing and um it's just kind of toxic uh -huh. like i i don't really like it and some people really like it but it just it feels uh disingenuous and that's kind of why I started standards is like, I didn't really think it was going to get popular at all because it was just like a two piece. And we were just like, no, no vocals, only what you hear from the musicians that are present, no backing tracks, no bass guitar. Like, so you I said didn't you think, started, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm so sorry. No, go ahead. So you said you started standards in like late 2017. Yeah. And then by March, 2019, you were like touring and like doing cool stuff and having a good time. Well, I mean, everything that I did post post like summer 2018, I thought was really cool because late 2017 was, we didn't do anything with standards. It was like basically jamming. Uh -huh. Like there was not really a whole lot of cohesion in terms of like actually creating anything. And it was just you and a drummer, I'm assuming jamming. Yeah, um, it was me and the guy who I started the band with. His name was Jacob. Um, and so um, he was a pretty busy dude. Uh, he, 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 he and I met at CalArts. He was getting a master's degree, and he was five years older than me. So he was like, you know, I was coming off of that project when I met him, of the, you know, the band that had the manager for Mike Hem. And so I was not nearly as sophisticated as a player or down the rabbit hole as he was like he was a really you know technical person right um so he was kind of treating the project like it wasn't really worth <laughs> anything like he had all these other projects you know and uh, faculty from the school were inviting him to go on tour with him like they, they uh, there was a there was a jazz professor who had a tour in europe and he's like yeah you're gonna be my drummer for the tour and that's um, awesome yeah i mean yeah you know so it's like but then there's me, like, how do I fit into it? So he didn't really take it, take it seriously until, uh, I think it was like February, 2018, we decided, okay, we're going to make an EP, we're going to do a tour and we're going to make a bunch of videos. And then that was when shit hit the fan 
uh, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, super crazy, but for us, it was pretty crazy because we had never really gotten that big of a response before from anything that we had ever done. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, like you said, like it was like every year we're just doing, it was upping the stakes like dramatically. It's like, I've never done a tour before. And then you do a tour and people are coming out and hanging out. And I'm like, Oh, this is sick. And then right. do another tour. And then, you know, it's like all over the country. And then, Oh yeah. Like around that time, you know, booking like dates in Mexico, dates in the UK, Canada. Like it was like, I couldn't have imagined that that was going to happen. Speaking of, I, th I think this was in the UK. Um, uh, I think I saw this picture in, fruit posting which is the wonderful standards meme group for all those people listening you should definitely be there because it's always a great time but uh it was like a picture of i think it was you uh tim from polyphia yvette young and someone else and it was at some festival and i was like man that's the that's the most manual dexterity i've ever seen in one picture in my whole life i don't think tim was in that photo i know which one you're talking about and i don't think that was tim but Tim was there. We played Art Tangent, and Polyphia was on the bill, um, which was kind of funny because I, I saw I, Art Tangent's more of like a niche thing. So Polyphia was pretty big for that. But they yeah. they were on the they were on the Coheed tour that summer, so I think they got added on just because it would make more sense for the package. Mm -hmm. um, but um, Tim was really funny at that festival because. Um, like I, my friend went over to him and was like, "Hey, what's up? How are you doing?" And Tim was like pissed. Like he was like so upset um, because it was, um, you know, it's the UK, so the weather is not the, that great. Um, but basically, what had happened was the second day there was a huge downpour of rain. Ooh. Like you've you've never seen rain like this. It was gnarly, uh, and there it's it's all dirt, so it was just mud, just just muddy everywhere so much mud and I, I still have a picture of my shoes from that time they were just caked in mud and i had to clean them off in like an airbnb afterwards but um tim had worn these like nice shoes and they got all scuffed up in the mud and he oh. was like yeah he was like um he's like there's mud here i don't even think about mud he was so mad and there's no there's no wi-fi there too because it's in the middle of a farm so he's like there's no wi-fi you know, there's mud everywhere. We're not happy. Like, we're not stoked. And it's just so funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not calling them out or anything. I'm I'm just, you know, it's just interesting. Like, I think we are spoiled as musicians in the U.S. Because I think, you know, uh, most of our festivals don't have the, those weather problems. But doing, you're doing, like, stuff outside in the U.K., it's like, even in the summertime, you know, you still get mud. You still get, like... You know, it was even it was pretty hot that summer, but it's just a different it's a different fucking thing altogether. Oh wow. man, you know, I mean, you see stuff from like Leeds and shit, and it just looks dirty, and you're just like, motherfucker, I don't know if I want to be wearing boots at a festival all damn day. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's you know, it's uh, it just you know, it's I was just I was just stoked to be there, but you know. If I was from Polyphia's position, I guess it's more like, as a concert goer, I wasn't. Yeah, for the music sure. Side, sorry. But yeah, no, of course, yeah. But like from a, from a music perspective, it's like, oh shit, now I have to, you know, I'm playing here, and then I have to go. Like they had a whole U uh, Europe tour too after that, 
So I got to go home after that, but they had to do a whole tour. And then I think after that, they were going to India, like right after or something. And it was just like, dude, like, fuck, man. Like, I probably wouldn't be stoked about mud either. You know, <laughs> like, oh. it's, it's, it's really hard um, touring, especially like, even at the higher level, it just gets hard. And like, now that I think about it, like, I wouldn't have really wanted to tour with that one band that I was playing with. Um, by the way, I never offered you the follow-up story about like what happened to them after. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're, I think they they still have the same name. Let me check. But we we had a we had a name and then they they kind of swapped it. But you can look them up. They're called Silent Rival. Um, if you look them yeah, up on cool Spotify, Silent Rival, um, you'll see Jaws and Sarah and there in the picture. Um, so if you if you go and listen to the kindness of strangers all of those songs were the songs i knew um i probably could still play a couple of them <laughs> but um yeah just go and check out go and check out that record and you'll you'll get what i'm talking about but um looks like they've had a couple releases since and they've they've done pretty well um but yeah that's that's kind of it's kind of what happened um i think utaka he ended up losing his visa because I think he was there on like a student visa. So Ooh. he's like stuck in Japan right now. Um, and then Dano and I quit. So I think they had a couple other people kind of come in and out. Um, they did open up for Black Audio, which was the side project of Davey Havoc from AFI. Wow. And um, they did a tour with them, I believe. Um, but uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't really kept up with them at all. I think a couple of them still follow me or something, but you know. Um, I I guess my moral of the story is like do what you want because I wasn't really happy playing like radio rock and I kind of just did it for the clout but it's more important to be who you are um, because you never know like even if you get to what you think you wanted it might not be what you wanted so that's you know I don't think it's an applicable thing because not everybody lives in LA or New York where it's like fostering these insane projects where there's just lots going on but you know mm -hmm. right so i guess to kind of dial back to the end of the question i was asking earlier so was standards <laughs> was standards the first band that you toured with yeah first band first only band i've ever toured with okay um yeah i uh i never really toured with another another group um what was that, that first tour experience like it was great have you guys ever toured before yeah, I've done a bit. Yeah, how how far did you guys go? Mike, you want to uh, go first? I went from Texas up to like the the northeast area, like up in like New York area. We came down the coast and came back. Oh, sweet! When was, was that? Oh, 2013. Oh wow! So it was a while ago. Like, it's been a fat minute. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, mine was uh, a way long time ago in like 2011, but we went from, we started in June and we went from Texas all down through by the Gulf into Florida, up to Georgia, St. Louis, Ohio, went all the way up to like Buffalo and Rochester, came all the way down the entire coast back through Florida and then back through Alabama and Arkansas back to Texas. And then we did another one where we did like Arkansas, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, just like a regional shit from there. And realistically, Whoa. that was the only ones that I really did because after that, I like hopped around and moved a bunch, which is not conducive. 
uh, for starting things <laughs> if you're leaving. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, I mean, you guys have pretty good tour experience. Um, my, I did not really have any of those experiences for a while. Um, and I don't know how those were for you, but I, I've heard, like, because I, I just genuinely haven't had the experience of, like, some people have tours where it's it's kind of rough because it's, like, you're kind of not as well-known and you're kind of getting started and things, you know, it, it's really, like, kind of tough. You know, you're just kind of getting what you can get. And um, I don't know if that was, like, your guys' experience or if you had, like, crowds of people just, oh. fuck yeah. We, my stuff... I got to. I booked all of our stuff. Um, essentially, we had a. I had a friend that was in another band on Red Chord Records, which, which is very tiny. But um, they wanted to take us out on a tour. My buddy was like, "Yeah, I just booked it all." And I was like, "I don't understand how you do that." And like, I booked um, shows in East Texas for like three or four years, Mike. Oh uh, yeah. And so, I, and he was like, "Yeah, you can just book them. Just." do it like this and i was like okay so i just started hitting people up and i hit up um booking sorry booking agents and all of our tours we were the only unsigned band on all of our tours um we were obviously like one of four one of three on all of them um but not we were the smallest band each time and so there were times where we played in like home states of certain bands that were with us um and they had a lot like we had a show where the chariot was playing down the street and we got to play at transitions which i don't know if you guys ever played uh tony hawk uh underground but the skate park in that game we played at which was fucking so sick um it was like one of the best days ever but uh the chariot was playing down the street and there were still like 150 people there and we thought it was just like for we are defiance and a fuckload of them were don't get us wrong but a bunch of people were just like dude we're here for you guys and we're like dude we're just a local band from texas essentially and they're like yeah we know and we're just like sick and but then you know we played at like um the seven venue in douglasville which tony was so fucking dope to just let us stay there and do all kinds of shit and like not have to like worry about things and just let us lock up but there was like eight people um each time we played there because we weren't like mega big and then we played like the five six seven in macon and there was like 40 or 50 but then we played in like jersey and there was like 200 so like it was very spotty um there was like a lot of kids in lancaster at the like the august burns red venue is what they said um and that was fun but you know then we had other places like st louis at the foobar and it was like decent 80 to 100 and then you'd have to go to the next day and there'd be like 14 somewhere but but you, but you had people coming like it wasn't like you know just like hoping that someone will show up or you know playing right. at someone's basement well, it's like real real venues and real people that's pretty cool yeah well and that was you know they say when you whenever you do and you do it for your band you do it better um but i wanted to make sure that we you know we didn't really have door splits we had guarantees every time we had food with the package every time like it was little caesars but whatever it was better than not eating we didn't get per diem or anything crazy like that but I mean, we got a hundred dollars every stop guaranteed, for the most part, um, and that, and then we did it off the eight-hour drive. We'll get you a hundred dollars. We'll get you eight hours or whatever. Um, and so we just went off that math. So we, but we definitely had like shitty days where we had like a couple of door splits and no one fucking showed up. 
and like that was like Stevenville, where, but it was bad. But like, you know, we toured with like some rise bands and some like artery bands and um, tragic hero bands, and so they had followings already, which was nice. It wasn't like we had to carry the tour. Um, but you know, a lot of people they go out and they're just like we're just gonna fucking go and they book it and like they do it and it's incredible because like no one knows your band i can't believe people are giving you money you are like a really really good at like putting together what you're putting together but luckily for us like we had people to like lean on which if you're gonna be the person booking the tour and you're a small band like and if you're gonna go to like sign bands that have people you need to bring something so like i feel like booking the tour was like a fair trade you know yeah, no, I, I mean, I think kind of what you were describing, that's kind of what I've heard as more of the prevalent first tour experience. Um, I mean, my first tour was like, um, excuse me, um, we did it in a Prius. So uh, How many of you were there? Two. Oh, okay. And I was like, there was like six or seven of us. I was like, who the fuck are you guys? A goddamn clown car. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think, I think, so I brought a small amp, but we basically tried to backline every night, and then we tried to bring, like, a mini, a mini drum kit, and then we were able to fit our merch, all of our clothes, uh, in the Prius, and, yeah, we were able to do it, so at the time, I think Jacob's parents had this, like, gas card that they gave him as, like, a gift, it's, like, a, kind of, like, a gift card, I guess, it was, like, a lot of gas money on there and he's like we can just use this uh to pay off our you know our gas or whatever it's like my parents are paying for it so because of that we were ended we ended up spending like 15 bucks a day um and i didn't know what to expect because i'd never done a tour before but it was basically mostly california and it was like a lot of like smaller cities and stuff but i mean for our san francisco show i think we had like 70 or 80 sold which, like, for a band that That's had dope. literally just come out, like, we weren't even a band for a year. Like, that was, like, pretty sick. That was, like, a pretty big experience for us. And, you know, lots of sleeping in, like, people's whatever place. And definitely was not a rough experience. And as a first tour, it was definitely not a bad time. It was really cool. <clears throat> and I felt like freaking rock star. Like, it's what I always wanted to do, you know? Like, it felt like I could do whatever I wanted, like, go and do a tour and then, you know, come home and uh, just trying to bang out more music, just trying to practice, get better. And um, Jacob worked in China at the time. He uh, was teaching kids, like, software or something, software engineering. That was, like, his job. So he would do it twice a year. And then the other nine or ten months out of the year, he would be working on music so he could pursue music full time and still have like a pretty decent income because I think the job paid like a lot of money just for one month so um he flew out to China and then I was like just working on it and then like everything we did since then was like super cool like I've just been like floored by how many great experiences I've had and how many how lucky I am you know yeah that makes sense that's um uh... <laughs> it's incredible I am going to piggyback on something you just said. What's your favorite experience or most memorable? Maybe not favorite, but most memorable one. So, like, if you think about right now, I say it and you're like thinking of one like scene in your head. What is it and what makes it so memorable? Uh, for touring and stuff? Yeah. 
probably Arctangent. I mean, it's pro probably takes the cake. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that festival, but um, I think I was talking about it with the mud and all that. It's a festival in the UK. It's like specifically for prog rock, math rock, all that stuff. Um, the year we played, Coheed and Cambria was headlining Thursday night. And um, then they had like Battles and uh, who? Uh, Meshuggah. Meshuggah was the other one. So it was like, I think it was the most attended year. 10,000 people. Um, God, so, that's a fucking lot of people. Yeah, you something like that. You can even have 10 people like, in your yard right now. Think about having 10,000 anywhere. I think it was something like that, but it was huge. And all my favorite bands were playing, like Carbomb, Covet, Polyphia. Um, so many great bands were playing that year. Um, and we got main stage booking. So they booked us on the main stage of Arctangent. Um, and that was crazy because there was no other conflict. It was right after lunch, two o'clock set time. So yeah, it was freaking gnarly show, like thousand people in a tent and everybody loved it. It was a great fucking show. Um, we did a wall of life. So instead of a wall of death, it was like, you give somebody a hug. Oh, Jesus and Christ, that's, that's I just I still I just still have that video. It's legendary, legendary video. But that was like I mean, it was pretty hard to to top that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's pretty fucking incredible. Sorry, I thought uh, I was sorry. Um, okay, so I'm gonna keep keep us going on a little track because we got a couple little things we want to definitely. Um, get to crack a lacking on what would be your perfect tour if you could line it up and you're just like these fucking four five six bands and you can put you on it or not um like but if you were like throw reasonability reasonability what a fucking not a word um to throw reason and all that shit out the window and you're just like this is the fucking show we're doing what would be your perfect package um I think there's like an answer that exists in my fantasy that I don't think would do well, but I would be stoked as fuck about it. And then there's an answer in reality. <laughs> um, but I think if I had to put together like a really sick tour, it'd probably be like, like a, a prof, a tour that I know would do really well. It'd probably be like, um, TTNG, Chon, and like intervals or something and then we would like open like i would love to do a tour like that that would be so cool who was the first band ttng that's this town needs guns right yeah they just they go by ttng now okay because oh. I, I saw you post that and i was like i wonder if that's this town needs guns and then yeah I they re they rebranded yeah i searched google and couldn't find anything ever no, TT and yeah, they they come up as TT and G now on uh, Spotify and all that, but um, yeah, I mean that that would be the most practical. Like that is not out of the realm of possibility. But if I had to do like a tour, like doesn't matter. I'm getting paid. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, I probably tour with like the 1975 and Cara Cara Benito. That would just be such a fun fucking tour. That'd I think that it would just be. Tour. Yeah, that would be like so much fun. Just like opening and then seeing Cara Carabinito and then seeing the 1975 and then, you know, that would be crazy. And I'm sure that like if that did happen, we'd be getting like a decent guarantee so we could like 
eat good no matter what, you know? So, like... Live it up. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's no need for that to happen, but if it did, I would be so fucking stoked about it. Right, that would be dope. Side note, Mike, check your fucking messages. Okay. <laughs> I already checked Facebook. I didn't see a reply. Um, okay. We'll cut that out. Um... <laughs> Let's see. Next thing. Oh, I guess the next couple oh. ones are all you, big guy. Let's see. Are we doing pick a number? Uh, I don't really have anything set up for pick a number. You have a where were you then? Uh, I do. I gotta find it. It's in my notes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fucking thanks for coming on, Marcos. This has been a blast. Yeah, dude. Thanks for totally. Fucking chatting with us and letting us just ask you a bunch of nonsensical questions. For sure. You guys just want to do a few more? Um, yeah, I'm kind of. I'm, I'm kind of hungry. Yeah, but I'm down to just wrap it up. Well, so we've heard we can... about. We're gonna be like the guys in the store and be like, "You want to fucking eat?" Wow. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. That's the thing about me that I hate is that my blood sugar gets really low and then things get bad. Like I've fainted before because I'm hungry. What? I have a couple. Of yeah, I've like fainted that. when we worked at the sandwich shop. They'd be like. How do you know when I'm like hungry and I'm just like I know because they have like blood sugar deal too and they're just it's just like you can only go so long before you push someone to like not an okay um yeah point. like I I have like blood sugar issues and I I get nauseous and like faint and stuff so I uh, it's it's getting there I probably go another hour with without eating but ideally in the next 30 minutes I'd like to eat something Oh man we're definitely <laughs> we're we're on the back end now we're pushing 145 also do you want to leave in all the food stuff that you just said or do you want me to cut all this out no it's fun fact you know i leave, leave or keep whatever you want uh i never i've not said anything that i've felt you know was weird or anything well, we'll also send it back to you so you can listen just to make sure okay um, um you got it okay so where were you in january of 2019 just for some context what happened in January 2019 that was a pretty important thing to me was the Backstreet Boys released their album DNA. Oh. What the fuck is this? Nobody knows about this shit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> January 2019, I was at CalArts trying to get standards ready for that tour that we played on together in Houston. Hey. <laughs> we, were, we were practicing. Wow, that fucking full circle. Did you do that on purpose? No, I just uh, actually clicked into like my music and I was like, okay, what would be a good time? I definitely was it probably in Chicago. It wasn't Chicago a bunch that month. I was Chicago listening was to cool. the new Backstreet Boys album, DNA. We fucking can tell. Um, <laughs> so we're going to do a couple more, get you out of here. Um, let's see. Actually, I don't really have anything. We kind of covered all of these. Um, I feel like we have a good one. We can we can split up the inter the stories a little bit and throw little different segs and stuff into other things and do fake ads. I think we're solid. Do you guys feel oh, solid? I got unless one have, more. Unless you have one more, I'm good. Is what I'm saying. Sorry. I'm game. I'm game for one more. Do you have any regrets? All right. Last last question is, it's actually a A or B question. It's do you have any regrets from anything you've done or do you have any piece of advice or anything you would tell either your past self or your future self about what you're doing or what you've done? 
motherfucker's like days of future past. We're gonna send your consciousness back in your old body. What would you Jeez. fucking do with it? Oh man, do I do I have any regrets? Oh, it's hard to say because he's like I just think... this tattoo and it says no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say because I mean, if you think about it, everything that you've done leads to one place. So, right. If you're happy with where you're at, then you don't really have any regrets because even though there were things that may have been unpleasant or whatever, it's like it, it you got to where you wanted to, right? Like I failed geometry in the ninth grade and I would have liked to have not failed geometry. Dude, the study of rocks is really hard for sure. It's <laughs> That's what I thought. Um which is why I, which is why I failed. Um no, but like I'll probably just do a I'll probably just do a because I, I, I'm an anxious person. I've always been an anxious person. I think uh, I would have told anxiety-ridden Marcos at 19 or 18, like, it's it's all chill, dude. Like, it's going to be fine. That's probably what I would have said. Hell yeah. Keep on keeping on. Exactly. Until 2020, and then just, just don't fucking worry about it, bro. Yeah. But even now, you know, things could be worse. I could be, like, hungry and not eating food. So it's okay. That's big facts. You know? Yeah, like it could be really bad, but it's like not that bad, you know? Like I'm going to yeah. go eat something right now and it's going to be chill. Same. Yeah. Yes. Oh, um, man. This was well, a thick episode. It was. They all have been. Well, um, we'll let you know whenever we get it all together. Thanks for coming on and eat some good food. And I hope you have a great night. Yeah, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been so much fun. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed, you know, my stories and stuff. A lot I more where that came from. So, you know. All right. Well, we'll definitely have you back for sure. Don't worry about that. If, and if you're willing to come back. <laughs> and, yeah, always right. come back. And we'll let and you know when we're going to put it out so you can, like, talk about it, too. So you, if you want to talk about it on your places, um, for sure. Yeah, totally. Thank you guys uh, so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for coming. Totally. Five, four, three, two, one. Now nah, I'm just fucking with you. Uh, we're not gonna actually do it that quickly, but hopefully you enjoy the new song. Hit it, Mike. And then hopefully we'll have a.